Chapter Nine of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, the social secretary. I stood staring at the closed door. What did it mean? Why was Vicky in there, and why wouldn't she let me come in? Then, as I collected my wits, I laughed at myself. I knew why she was there to get her mail doubtless there were important letters that she must have and she had dared discovery to come at dead of night to get them the patrolman was not in sight she had looked out for this of course it was the merest chance that i had seen her otherwise she would have escaped all observation at three in the morning there are almost no people abroad in the quieter streets of the city and vicky had timed her visit well of course she had her own keys and i felt sure she had stealthily entered at the basement door and waited her time to secure the letters from the mailbox i looked at the mailbox an unusual appendage to a private residence but vicky was away from home so much it was doubtless necessary i tried to look in at a window but all shades were down and there were no lights inside i wanted to ring the doorbell again but a sense of delicacy forbade me i was not a detective and if i persisted i might attract the attention of a passer-by or of the returning policeman and so get vicky into all sorts of trouble i wasn't tracking the girl down if she was a criminal let the police find her i had no desire to aid their efforts but i did want to see vicky van i wanted to offer her my help not in escaping justice exactly but i wondered if i mightn't do some little errands or favors that would show my friendliness i went slowly toward home when i had an inspiration hastening to my own house i flew to the telephone and called vicky's number which i knew well i waited some time for a response but at last i heard vicky's voice say who is it please an impulse of protection for her not for myself led me to withhold my name nor did i speak hers i said this is the man who just left your house i called up to offer help if i can render you any that's good of you she returned in a heartfelt way i appreciate such kindness but you can do nothing nothing thank you at least talk to me a few minutes i'm so anxious about you you are not implicated in the in the matter are you don't ask me she murmured in such a serious voice that my heart sank what i did or didn't do must always remain a mystery i cannot tell you anything don't ask and if you would help me try your best to have inquiries stopped can you do this i fear not but can't i see you somewhere and we can talk plainly do you want to indeed i do then you do believe in me do you hold me blameless i hesitated at this i couldn't lie to her nor could i rid my mind of the conviction of her guilt i said i will if you assure me that it is the truth I i can't do that good-bye wait a minute did you know the expected guest was coming under an assumed name i did not did you know any summers no did you know the real man i had met him once at a dance did you like him i neither liked nor disliked he was an object of utter indifference to me then why did you hush you can never know i can't tell you then don't please believe i want to befriend you the agony and fear in vicky's voice thrilled me and i desired only to shield and protect her she was so young and alone 
it is good to have a friendly voice speak to me but you can only forget me no let me do something definite some errand of trust some matter of confidence do you mean it will you gladly what is it then if you will collect my mail from the box at the door after a few days say three days and put it aside for me you saw me get it to-night i suppose and it is a dangerous thing for me to do where are you i mean where are you staying don't ask i am safe i see the newspapers and i know i am to be hunted down so i must hide i cannot face the inquiries i fear arrest and-and punishment her tones betrayed guilty fear and i shuddered at the confirmation of my suspicions but i would do what i could for her how shall i get your letters i asked and i honestly tried not to disclose my sudden knowledge of her guilt but her quick ears caught my changed inflection you believe me guilty she said and she stifled a sob yet still you will help me god bless you listen then for i must stop this talking it is too desperately dangerous i will leave the key of the mail-box no i will send it to you by mail that will be the safest then will you get the letters and put them where shall i say i'll mail them to you no that would never do you can get into this house can't you the police will let you in at any time yes i can probably manage that then bring them with you all of the three days mail at once you understand and put them in that great chinese jar in the music-room the one with the gold dragon on the cover no one will look there for them i will manage to come and get them very soon please don't spy on me will you chester the use of my first name was i knew inadvertent and unconscious it thrilled me there was a marvellous fascination always about vicky van and now at the end of this my mysterious night telephone conversation i felt its thrill and i agreed to her plea no dear i said and not till afterward did i realize the term i had used i will not spy but promise me that you will call on me for any help you may need and tell me are you alone or is julie with you julie is with me she returned she helps protect me and with your friendship too i am blessed indeed but this is good-bye i shall leave new york in a few days never to return i must have that mail or i would go at once if you will help me get that you will do all there is left for any one to do for me in the world her tone frightened me vicky i cried forgetting all caution don't my dear don't but i could not put in words the fear that had suddenly come to me and even as i stammered for speech the click came that told me she had hung up the receiver i cursed myself for my stupidity in speaking her name such a blunder why it might have been overheard by anybody on the line no wonder she left me doubtless i had driven her from her house i flew to the window then i remembered i had promised not to spy and i turned quickly away if she were about to disappear silently and stealthily from that house i must not know it i went to my room but not to sleep clearly i was not to know untroubled slumber again very soon i sat up and thought it all over how strange that i should have spied on her just at the moment she was secretly getting her letters but i realized i had looked at the house so often it would be stranger still if i had missed her and she was to send me her box-key and i was to secrete her letters for her 
important indeed those letters must be that she should go to such lengths to get them well i had constituted myself her knight-errant in that particular and i would fulfil the trust beneath the thrilling excitement of the night's occurrence i felt a dull sad foreboding all vicky had said or done pointed to guilt had she been innocent she would have told me so by word or by implication she would have given me a tacit assurance of her guiltlessness or would have cried out at the injustice of suspicion but none of these things entered into her talk or even into her voice or intonations she had sounded sad hopeless despairing and her last words made me fear she contemplated taking her own life poor little vicky van light-hearted joy-loving vicky what was the mystery back of it all what could it be well at least i would scrupulously perform the task she had set me and i would do it well i knew i could manage to get into the house by making up some story for the police but i must wait for the promised key with a glimmer of hope that the mailed parcel containing the key might give me a clue to vicky's whereabouts i at last went to sleep next morning at breakfast i said nothing of my night experiences i told winnie however that she needn't watch the van allen house as i had heard that vicky had left it permanently however could you hear that exclaimed my wide-awake sister have you had a wireless from the fugitive something of the sort i said smilingly and now listen here win how do you think that friend of yours miss crowell would like to be a social secretary for mrs schuyler she'd love it cried winnie does mrs schuyler want one yes and she wants her mighty quick from what you've said of the crowell girl i should think she'd be just the one can you get her on the telephone yes but not so early as this i'll call her about ten all right you fix it up i expect mrs schuyler will pay proper salary to the right secretary of course miss crowell is experienced oh yes assured Wynne, and i'm sure she'll love to go why any secretary would be glad to go there not just now i should think observed aunt lucy the amount of work there must be something fearful it will be heavy for a time i agreed but it is only for mrs schuyler's personal correspondence and business i mean the other two ladies would not expect to use her services all right said winnie i'll fix it up with edith crowell and if she can't go i'll ask her to recommend somebody shall i send her there to-day yes as soon as she will go and let me know telephone the office about noon yep winnie promised and i went away my head in a whirl with the various and sundry matters i had to attend to i don't think i thought of the secretary matter again until at noon winnie telephoned me that it was all right i thanked her and promptly forgot the episode and so it was that when i reached home that night i had one of the surprises of my life winnie came to dinner smiling and rather excited-looking what's up infant i asked have you accepted a proposal from a nice college lad ha huh. and win's head tossed i guess you'll open your eyes when i tell you what i have accepted tell it out angel child relieve your own impatience well if you please i have accepted the post of social secretary to mrs randolph schuyler winifred elizabeth calhoun you haven't i thought i'd arouse some slight interest she said and she calmly went on with her dinner i looked at aunt lucy who sat with a resigned expression toying with her unused oyster fork what does she mean i asked 
she has done just what she says replied aunt lucy but only for a few days miss crowell let me tell interrupted winnie it's my party you see chet edith crowell is wild to have the place and is going to take it but she can't go until the first of next week and she doesn't want to lose the chance so i went over and told mrs schuyler about it and then as she was simply swamped with letters and telegrams and telephones and callers and goodness knows what all i offered to help her out till edith can get there and she was so grateful oh i think she is a darling i never saw any one i liked and admired so much at first sight she is charming i conceded but what a crazy scheme win how did you persuade aunt lucy to agree i managed her and winnie bobbed her wise young head cannily it came to me in a moment though not exactly a tuft hunter aunt lucy was deeply impressed by real grandeur and elegance and it came to me at once that winnie's tales of the great house and the aristocratic people had a strong influence on her aunt's views and had brought about her permission for win to go there for a few days and it was no harm it wasn't as if winnie were a regular secretary but just to hold the place for miss crowell was simply a kindly deed and so after dinner i settled myself in our cosy library for a comfortable smoke and bade winnie tell me every single thing that had happened through the day oh it was thrilling winnie exclaimed part of the time i was at the desk in the library and part of the time upstairs in mrs schuyler's very own room she was so kind to me but she is nearly distracted and i don't wonder the undertaker's men were in and out and those two old maids his sisters you know were everlastingly appearing and disappearing and they don't like mrs schuyler an awful lot nor she them oh they're polite and all that but you can see they're of totally different types i like mrs schuyler heaps better but still there's something about the old girls that's the real thing their schuylers and also their salton stalls and farther back i believe their cabots or something and mrs schuyler what is she i asked as wynne paused for breath i don't know nothing particular i guess oh yes i learned her name was ellison before she was married but the sisters don't consult her about family matters at all they do about clothes though and she knows a lot why chess she's having the loveliest things made if they are mourning and the sisters they ask her about everything they order to wear i mean and just think mrs schuyler never wears any jewels but pearls it's a whim you know or it was her husband's whim or something but anyway she has oceans of pearls and no other gems at all did she tell you so yes but it came in the conversation you know she is no boaster no siree she's the modestest gentlest sweetest little lady i ever saw i just love her well i answered a lot of letters for her and she liked the way i did it and she liked me i guess for she said she only hoped miss crowell would suit her as well she knows you're my sister of course but that isn't why she likes me old bunch of conceit though i must admit she likes you chet she said you were not only kind but you have a fair amount of intelligence no she didn't use those words exactly but i gathered that was what she meant the funeral is to be to-morrow evening you know i had to write and telephone quite a good deal about that though the sisters tended to it mostly was there much said about about the actual case winnie you mean about the murder wynne's clear eyes didn't blink at the word no not much in my hearing 
but mrs schuyler wasn't in the room all the time and i know mr lowney isn't he the detective was there once and i think twice did you see anyone else only some of the servants mrs schuyler's own maid her name is tibbets is the sort you read about in english novels a nice motherly woman with grey hair and a black silk apron i liked her but the maid who looks after the old sisters i didn't like so well never mind the maids tell me more about mrs schuyler does she think vicky van killed mr schuyler since you're in this thing so deep win there's no use mincing matters i should say not yes of course she thinks the vicky person did the killing how could she think anything else and the two sisters are madly revengeful as soon as the funeral is over they're going to work to find that girl and bring her to justice they say the inquest will help a lot when will that be chess can i go to it no of course not winnie this came from aunt lucy it's one thing for you to help mrs schuyler out in an emergency but you're not to get mixed up in a murder trial an inquest isn't a trial auntie and wynne looked like a wise owl as she aired her new and suddenly acquired knowledge can't i go chess we'll see infant perhaps if mrs schuyler needs your services she may want you there with her oh in that case began aunt lucy but winnie was off again on one of her enthusiastic descriptions of the grand ways of the schuyler household and aunt lucy was quite willing to listen as for me i wanted the benefit of every possible sidelight on the whole business and i too took in all winnie's detailed narrations End of chapter 9